we turn to the book of Exodus, to chapter 3. We'll begin reading at verse 13 of chapter 3, and we read into chapter 4 through verse 17. We take our text from Exodus 3, verse 15, but we read the context here. So Exodus 3, beginning to read at verse 13. We hear the inspired word of God. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, And of Jacob appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again. 
and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, and wherewith thou shalt do signs. We read that far. May God bless his word to our hearts. We take chapter 3, verse 15 as our text. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we've looked at Moses at the burning bush, and we saw that that was a necessary visit of God to Moses. God knows the needs of his children. And we noted that there had been some 400 years of silence prior to that revelation of God to Moses. God knew Moses' need, and God now comes to Moses with a word of encouragement as well as a word of admonition. Moses is to go to Pharaoh with the word that God gives him. And he's to go to Pharaoh in the confidence God is with him. And so God speaks out of the burning bush. He gives his name, I am that I am, to Moses. And God now officially calls and commissions Moses to be the deliverer. Again, this was greatly needed. After this period of extended silence, now that silence finally is broken. And now this revelation of God comes clearly to Moses. It comes also at an opportune time. Things were not going well for the Israelites. And things were not going well for Moses. Moses would have been inclined to think Pharaoh has the upper hand. Pharaoh is the one who now is having his way with the Israelites. He's the one now that is persecuting and tormenting them. And the Israelites are in a situation where there's no possibility of deliverance. In this dark time, God comes with a word of encouragement, a word of comfort. 
And it's striking that God does so with his name. This is my memorial unto all generations, we read. God says, you need to live out of my name. Moses is fearful. Moses is uncertain. And God repeatedly admonishes him, Moses, my name is that which you need to live out of. My name is that memorial. And beloved, we hear that this evening. As we go through life, as we're called to glorify God in everything that we do, and as we're called to be busy in the work that he calls us to, we balk. With Moses, we come up with excuses. We don't think that we can do this. We're not qualified. We sin against God. God's word is a power in our lives. And God sets before us his name and the greatness of the glory of that name. And that name has a power. That name presses us into the service of the Almighty. The name and the remembrance of that name is on the foreground here. We are a people who confess the name of God. And we are a people who take upon ourselves the name of that God as Christians. And we live then in the boldness of that name. We take as our theme the memorial of God's name. Noting, first of all, the name. Secondly, the remembrance. And finally, the generations. The Lord God of your fathers. Now, God had noted that that name above every name was Jehovah. I am that I am. God revealing himself as the God who is faithful, who is steadfast. The God who keeps his covenant and the God who will not turn away from his people. We notice the wonder of that name as we looked a few weeks ago at it. I am that I am. It gets at the essence of who God is. The fact that God is independent. God is sovereign. God is not dependent in any way on anyone or anything else. We are dependent. We are those who have a beginning. We are those who change constantly. Not so with regard to Jehovah. I am that I am. And what it gets at is while God is able to be known, we can never begin fully to comprehend Him. His glory is such that He is far above anything that we can imagine. No mere creature is able to exhaust the wonder, the majesty, the glory, the greatness of this God. With anything that's in the world, we can sit down and we can examine it and we can step back and we can give an explanation of it. This pulpit, we could step back, give an explanation of it. A pew, a piece of carpet, our clothing, even a person we can do so. But in the case of God, such is impossible. God simply is. And we cannot explain the greatness of his glory. He reveals himself to us through his attributes. Attributes that describe his spiritual being and his glory and his greatness. This great God has no origin. He has no beginning. He has no needs. He's an eternal, unchangeable God. Now one would expect that Moses, hearing this revelation with the burning bush, would have immediately gone on to obey this great God. This God has spoken to me. This God has done so in such a majestic manner that Moses would have 
immediately been eager to reply in a favorable way. But we find Moses struggling. He objects. He starts making excuses. And again, beloved, we see ourselves in Moses. God gives him this revelation of his sovereignty, his greatness, his glory, and says, Moses, you don't have to be afraid. I am is with you. And Moses falters. Moses says, but I'm a sinner in essence. I don't know how I can go forward. And finally, God has to give Moses signs. God has to give Moses a spokesman. Again, beloved, we need to learn from this narrative. The most important thing in life is to know God. And knowing God is eternal life. The knowledge of God is the knowledge of Him as sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. It's the knowledge of the triune God who has revealed Himself to us in Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit. And it's the knowledge of the one who is the creator, the sustainer, the one who is compassionate, forgiving, and loving. The one who's embraced us and taken us into his family and given us a place in his glorious kingdom. To know God is to listen to his word. And it's to heed his word. It's to receive that word by the power of the Spirit and then to live according to it. Rejoicing in his love and rejoicing in his fellowship and counting it a privilege to know him and to live in obedience to him. This knowledge of God moves us. And as the child of God grows in the knowledge of God, and as he studies the word, that knowledge is a power within him that moves him to worship. This great glorious God, who has revealed himself to me as the I am that I am, assures me that nothing can separate me from the wonder of his love. He assures me that he is sovereignly ruling the whole of my life and the whole of the world about me. And he's doing so in a manner that is for my good and for his glory. This great and glorious God reveals himself to us in Jesus Christ, whom he gives me as his Savior, who laid his life down in my place, upon whom the billows of God's wrath were poured, and he lived. To know this God as my Father, to know this God in the revelation that He gives, moves us to seek Him and to seek His face and to give Him all glory. This glorious God is our God. Now this God is always associated with burning, and we noted that with the burning bush. The bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. Judgment, chastisement are always a part of earthly life. This glorious God will punish sin. He will not allow sin to go unpunished. Every sin that's ever been committed will be punished with everlasting damnation in hell. The joy of God's children is that Jesus took that punishment on my behalf. And therefore, I know and I believe that there is no more punishment. Now, my experience is chastisement. In love, he chastises me. He gives me to know through trials his love for me and the wonder of his faithfulness. 
God reveals himself through the burning bush. And though the church finds herself in the midst of oppression, in the midst of trouble in this life, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. As Psalm 46 points out, God loves and God preserves his church. And the hope and the joy of the church is in that name above every name. The almighty Jehovah who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. As God's children, our lives are fraught with trouble. There are doubts, there are fears, there are difficulties. But God saves his people in their afflictions. And though that fire of God's wrath against sin is present, God's children and God's people will not be destroyed. Because God has concern unto his people. This is the testimony of God's name as confirmed by his glorious and mighty works. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And again, that stresses, this is a God who does not forget his promise. Oh, he's a God who forgets. He's a God who forgets sin, who casts sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all sinners. They were unworthy. Yet God was faithful. He was not ashamed to call them his own. Beloved, this God is your God and my God. Not ashamed to call me his own. A God who's faithful despite my failures, my shortcomings, my sinfulness. A God who displays his love and his faithfulness to his saints and to his church repeatedly throughout the history of the world. And he teaches us salvation is all of God. I am the one who will accomplish salvation. That salvation is according to my counsel. It's realized according to my promises. And it's my grace on display. As God's children, we stand before this wonder, the name of Jehovah God, as that name that displays his faithfulness throughout the generations. This God loved his church and swore by his name so that it cost him his own son. He revealed himself through Jesus Christ as the wonder of God came down to earth, suffered the wrath of God and the opposition of the devil, but he would not be destroyed. On the cross, as we noted, though the fires of God's wrath were poured out upon him, he survived. He was not consumed. And he lived as our mediator and our savior. Now the point of this history and the point of this verse is to emphasize again God's faithfulness. We made reference last time to Psalm 77 and the questions that are raised in that psalm. Has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten to be kind? Is it such that God doesn't hear my prayers any longer? These are the struggles that Moses, no doubt, and the people of Israel were experiencing. When will this affliction be lifted? Is God going to let us all perish and be destroyed here in Egypt? But God says, The great I am always answers prayer. Sorrow and struggles are the experience of the church, but the great I am is faithful. And though we become overwhelmed at times, 
We look to the great I am who will not deny himself. He remembers his saints. He remembers his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against them. He will make all things work together for good to them that love him, who are the called according to his purpose. We lay hold on that wonder. And that's the remembrance that is set forth here in this text. This is my memorial. This is the banner under which we live and conduct ourselves. This is the encouragement of the church and of the saints. This glorious name. This name, beloved, must be remembered. Now Moses is burdened with the responsibility to remember and to promote this name to the Israelites and to Pharaoh. The Egyptian gods, they have names, but their names are not significant. Their names don't set them apart. These names are not able to save. But this name of God is the name of encouragement. It's the name of strength. And that's the application that we hear from this text. Remember the name of God. God's name is to always be a memorial so that through the whole course of your life, God's name is that to which you cling by faith. And God's name is your strength and your encouragement and your comfort. How? Again, the name of God reminds us God is faithful. Even though I can't feel it. Even though I don't see it. God's name reminds us of His works. Works that are mighty. Works that are involving the fullness of our salvation. God's name holds before us the hope of everlasting life as that which is sure and certain. Israel, weak, sinful, had to remember the name of the Lord. Now we find evidence that they did, and encouraging that is, so that we look through the Psalms, for instance. We find in Psalm 102, verse 12, But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Psalm 135, verse 13, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. Again, the prophet Isaiah, as Isaiah repeatedly brings Israel back to the glory of the name of God. In Isaiah 26, verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. God directs us with the Israelites of old to the name, that name above every name, that name which is our comfort, our encouragement, and our strength. So that in all the struggles, all the difficulties of life, we turn to the name, the name of God. And God sets that name before us, and God reveals himself through that name, and God works faith in our hearts so that we understand and know the wonder of that name. We go forward in the strength of the name. My confidence, your confidence, it's not in myself. It's not in the church. It's not even in the office bearers of the church. It has nothing to do with the world in which we live. Our confidence is in God and the name and the greatness of his revelation as revealed in that name. He is Jehovah, the I am that I am. And when God sets up his name as that memorial, that banner, he displays his love and his faithfulness to his church throughout all generations. 
Now Moses especially must remember that name. And Moses, as he stands before Pharaoh, as he goes before the Israelites, as he stands before the Egyptians, must do so in the strength and power of that name. Moses is weak. God knows that. Moses has nothing of himself. But here is Moses' strength. Here's his confidence. The name of God. He must not promote self. He must direct the people of God to the name of God. He must direct the Egyptians to the name of God. He must direct Pharaoh to the name of God. Now Moses is the mediator. If the mediator does not know that name and remember that name, how will Israel remember that name? We find Moses forgetting the name. God gives him this glorious revelation. And immediately, Moses, but they won't believe me. Verse 1 in chapter 4. Nor hearken to my, unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. God has just said, they will believe you. And now Moses, no, they're not going to believe me. And so then God has to give signs. God's way is the way of a mediator. One who will stand before God and the people. The mediator is faltering. And he does so to point us to the true mediator who will never falter. Jesus Christ, the faithful one. God appointed Jesus Christ as the one who would stand before the face of God promoting that name as that one who is very God and very man. God's ways are far above our ways. God is the God of the burning bush. God is the God of the consuming fire. God is the God of the I am that I am. He's the God of Jesus Christ, the God of the cross, the God of the resurrection. By faith, we lay hold upon this glorious God. Now a memorial, that's interesting here because a memorial generally is something that's erected to remember someone who's no longer with us, someone who's passed. In this instance, this memorial is to one who's living. Israel is living in the midst of death, in the midst of sin. And God says, this is the memorial that I establish. And this memorial points you to the living God and to Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died, rose again, and lives in eternal glory. He's alive. And we must never forget him. This is essential. What Israel did again and again throughout their history is they forgot the name of God. And that becomes the admonition of the prophets, directing them to the name of God, repeatedly admonishing them. You forgot the name of God. You need to look to God. And ultimately, they forgot the promises. Look to God. Look to his promises. And this is what we do. We look at our sins. We look at the circumstances and situation of life. We don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. And we look away from Jesus. What happened to Peter? You children remember. What happened to Peter when he looked away from Jesus? He started sinking in the water. And that's what we do. We look away from Jesus and we begin to sink. We sink into the depths of sorrow, the depths of despair. Remember the name. God sets it as a memorial. You can't make it through life without that name. That name is that to which you must look. 
And by faith we lay hold on that name. There is deliverance alone in the I am that I am. In him is deliverance from the bondage of sin. In him is everlasting life. And so God gives this revelation to Moses again. And then God says to Moses, Moses, go. Verse 16 of chapter 3. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, you bring this name to them now. Go. Essentially, Moses here is to sound forth the call of the gospel to Pharaoh and to the Israelites. Repent. Believe on God alone. And living out of the wonder of that memorial involves obedience to God. Now, how can Moses go to Pharaoh? How can Moses go to the Israelites? How will he be able to admonish the hard-hearted Israelites? God says again, go in the strength of my name. Look away from yourself. You must decrease in order that the name increases. Living in the wonder of the memorial involves sacrifice. Sacrifice self and live unto the name. Moses is required to do something impossible of self. And he realizes that. Repeatedly, he finds himself looking away from the name and looking at himself and looking at his own weaknesses and looking at the troubles of Israel and looking at Egypt. He finds himself looking at Pharaoh and looking at the, at the power and the majesty of Pharaoh. Repeatedly, Moses is looking away from the name. It doesn't take Moses long to forget the name. Now again, how tragic we would say. Moses starts making up all kinds of excuses. Moses! God has just given you the most glorious revelation that he's given to his people in 400 years. And Moses doesn't remember it. The people won't believe me. I'm not worthy to speak to Pharaoh. I can't do this. So that God, in essence, has to say, Moses, look away from yourself. Look to me. I will be with you. I will not leave you. And beloved, that's what you and I need to hear again and again and again. We're like Moses. We begin to look at self. We begin to falter. We begin to despair. And God says, no, look to the name. Your strength is found in the name, the I am that I am, who is faithful to his promise. Chapter 4 records an uncertain Moses. And so God gives him signs, remarkable signs to confirm his faith. We see here the love and the tender care that God has for his saints. God didn't have to give Moses signs. God had already given Moses his name. But now God gives Moses these signs. The first has to do with the shepherd's rod. He says, Moses, throw your rod in the ground. Moses throws it in the ground. It turns into a snake. Moses runs away. He's scared of that snake. And then God says, grab it by the tail. He grabs it by the tail. It turns back into a rod. Then the second has to do with leprosy. He takes his hand, he puts it in his coat, he pulls it out, it's leprous. And then he puts it back in again, the leprosy is gone. The third one has to do with water poured out, which turns to blood. Now these are signs that the people believe that God has appeared to Moses. That's Moses' concern. How will they know that you've really appeared to me? And so God says, these are signs that will direct them to me, to my name. These signs point them to God. 
Now that's important to note. These aren't just miracles like the magicians were trying to pull off. These signs have significance. This is God's work to confirm faith and to work that which directs to his name. How does, how does he do that? The first one, the snake, is a picture of the devil. The devil is alive and well. And Moses rightly runs away from that snake as it comes after him. But God shows Moses, Moses, I have power over the devil. You are fearful of the devil, and rightly so. But I have power. The devil is merely my servant. And so Moses, by grabbing that snake by the tail and lifting it up, demonstrates God has control over Pharaoh and the devil. And Jehovah God is ruling all things. What is leprosy a picture of? It's always a picture of sin and the horror of sin. Leprosy is a picture of sin which is so horrible that one can't escape it. God demonstrates your sin is horrible, Moses. The sin of Israel is horrible. It's like that leprosy. But I will give a mediator who will deliver from sin, who will save from that bondage. I am able to overcome the power of sin. I overcome the devil. I overcome the power of sin. Look to the name. You can't, but I can and I will. And then finally, God takes the water of the Nile and pours it out. Or Moses does. And it shows death. God demonstrating, I am a God of judgment. A God who will judge those who are given over to sin. And I am in the midst of Egypt. And though they worship the Nile, they worship that as their God. I am God alone. And I will judge with death. Blood being a picture of death. God gives these signs, again, pointing away from Moses and pointing to the name, the I am that I am. When Moses then comes before Pharaoh, he comes in the name of God. And Moses is assured, Moses, you're not alone. God is with you. I am with you, says God. It's not just Moses standing before Pharaoh. God is standing before Pharaoh as Moses now represents God and the name of God. And Moses comes to say, God is against the gods of Egypt, and God will overcome them. Now, beloved, God comes to you, and God comes to me, and God says, I am with you. As you witness to your neighbor, as you stand against sin in your family, as you battle against personal temptations, I am with you. You're not alone. I am with you. Live out of the glorious name. You say, but it's impossible. Things are such a mess, they could never be put together. Live in the confession of the name. I can do all things. God reminds us there's no excuses that can be made. Moses tries to make excuses. We try to make excuses. God reminds us, I created your mouth. And I am with you. And I will give you words to speak. God reminds us, I've delivered you from the bondage of sin. And I will keep you pure spiritually, despite your own weakness. God reminds us, life is not about you. It's about me. It's about my glory. And it's about my name. 
Finally, Moses says, God, pick someone else. Moses is completely unready. He shows himself, again, to be a weak mediator. Now, we're thankful Jesus Christ was willing. Jesus Christ accomplished all of God's will. But rejoice in this, too. God yet is pleased to make use of Moses. God strengthens you. He strengthens me in the pursuit of his will. Moses is hardly a candidate for this deliverance any longer. One understands the anger that is displayed here by God in verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. But God has not cast off Moses. He is the I am that I am. God does not cast off his children. He is the I am that I am. He will strengthen Moses in the pursuit of his will. He will strengthen his saints and he will equip his church. And all of it points again to Jesus Christ who perfectly remembered the name, who always lived in the consciousness of that name, who gave his life for the sake of that name, who rose again for that name. And as Emmanuel, God with us, who preserves and keeps his own. This is the gospel, beloved. The gospel of salvation through that name, the mediator, Jesus Christ. This remembrance is to all generations, and that's a powerful admonition to us. It was to Israel. Not only are you to know this name, this is the essence of your teaching to your children. Teach your children to know the name. Teach your children to live out of the name unto all generations. God works a response. There are those who remember that name and live out of it, and there are those who are blinded by the glory of that name and hardened. And we're going to see both in this history. Pharaoh is blinded and hardened by that name. That name hardens him. The wonder of God's grace is such that that name softens his people. The gospel of grace is to make you and me gracious. God works in us so that we love him and we love others and we forgive others even as we've been forgiven. The child of God touched by God's grace is a gracious individual. The gospel of salvation is to make you joyful. The child of God touched by the glorious name of God knows a joy that transcends the earthly. God lifts us and God brings us into the experience of the heavenly. And God gives us to know, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I am going to bring you into the fullness of the glory that awaits. And so, beloved, we ask ourselves, do I believe that the Bible is true? Do I believe the name, I am that I am? And do I believe that that name is the name of Jehovah God, that God has revealed to me? Do I know the wonder of that name? And does that name move me to worshipful obedience? Beloved, by faith we draw near to God. We draw near to the wonder of that glorious name. We put our trust in him. The God of the burning bush, the God of the cross, the God who is with me in my afflictions so that I am not consumed.
We believe in Him. We put our trust in Him. People talk about identity today. They identify as this or that. And sadly, often their identity is contrary to that which God made them. We are called to identify ourselves with that glorious name. We're not the name, but we identify ourselves with that name. I am a child of the name of God. By faith I confess God. I confess the glory and the greatness of that name. Even though that name means that I'm going to suffer, I'm going to bear persecution and affliction, I lay hold on that name. Beloved, when you, when you love that name and when you lay hold on that name by faith, you don't care what people think about you. You're going to get mocked. You're going to get ridiculed. You don't care because that name is your strength. That name is your motivation. You don't care about what men think, about the reputations of men. You care about the honor and glory of God. You trust that name, not just on Sunday, every day of your life. That name presses on you. And that name lays a burden of obedience, thankful obedience, so that you cry out in your unworthiness and you lay hold on God. That name enables you to cut earthly ties with those who are not walking with God. It enables us to put away that bottle that is not leading me closer to the glorious name of God. I don't need those things that I think are going to make me happy. The things of this life pale in comparison. I have the name, and I am a child of the name. Almighty Jehovah has embraced me in love and taken me into his family. He went all the way to the cross, Jesus did, in the remembrance of that name. Jesus remembered the name of God, and it cost him his life. He gave his life for us because he loved the name of God. And that name of God directed the whole of his life. And so, beloved, by faith, we go forward as those who identify with the I am that I am. We don't play with fire. We don't try to make Jesus someone whom he's not. We don't turn our back on Jesus. We don't turn our back on his lordship. We're tempted to say, but he encroaches on my liberties. He encroaches on my freedoms. But then God speaks to us. And he speaks to us powerfully. He speaks to us, emphasizing, repent, turn from your sins, and follow me. The God of the burning bush gives a name to you and me and says, that's not just your name, that's the name you are to teach your children. And that's the name that you are to live as well as your generations. That name demands of me that I love my wife. That name works in me submission to my husband. That name causes office bearers to tremble as they're called to lead the way on behalf of that name. We're unworthy, but God is faithful. And as he calls, we respond by faith. Moses was to go, and Israel was to go with him. And God calls you, God calls me, to bow before him and to serve and obey him. And our joy, our delight, is in his service. We forget, we fail. He never forgets. He remembers his name. 
And that in the end, beloved, is our salvation. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee for the greatness and the wonder of that name above every name. The I am that I am, Jehovah, revealing thyself to us in Jesus Christ. That thou art a God who remembers and a God who is faithful. Strengthen us that we might worship, that we might obey, and that we might live as those who identify with that glorious name and count it a joy, a privilege to be known of thee. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.